Are you ready to do some polishing? Well, that's exactly what we're doing today on day number four of the Kickstart Your Book five-day challenge. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and this is episode number 263 of the Amplify Your Awesome podcast. It is the audio version of today's live video training inside the challenge. If you want access to all the behind the scenes, all the extra training, and all the worksheets we've created specifically for this challenge, save your seat at kickstartyourbook.com and I'll see you inside the challenge. Hey, hey, challengers. Welcome to day number four. Can you believe we're already on day number four? I feel like we just started this challenge. <laughs> it has been so much fun to see all the progress that you're making. And I want to give a big hello and a shout out to Callie today. How are you, Callie? I'm good. How are you today, Young? I am so good. And really, I cannot believe it's Thursday. I feel like, you know, there was so much that's happened this week. And we're like on the downhill slope of this week with giving you lots of tools and frameworks to use so that you can really start to, you know, see some progress on the book that you've maybe been thinking about for a while. I know some of you have been thinking about it for a while. When I went to go write my first book, I had been thinking about it literally for years. And finally, I just said, okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. So, you know, that's why this challenge was created to help you really get that momentum and get those wins because, Sometimes that taking off part is the hardest step to getting your book published. Absolutely. I mean, I think we have all experienced that. And in fact, it's so funny. I met with some people this morning and that was part of our conversation was like, you know, that lots of times the seed plants in our brain um, and then we, we kind of let it marinate and we let it marinate and we let it marinate. And then when, you know, the magic happens when we actually put the pen to the paper and we get it all out. Yes, yes. And for those of you who are using Otter and who posted your your stories yesterday, it was so awesome to hear your stories come to life because it really definitely gives it a different perspective when you record it versus just sitting. And it also gets us out of our heads about not editing because I'm so bad at going back. Like, I don't like that sentence. And uh, and then, you know, hours pass and I have, you know, two paragraphs. Like it's, right. such, a, it's such a hard step sometimes to get past that self-talk that we have to go back and, and edit as we go along. So we're looking forward. I know I've listened to several of them so far. I put a a tutorial in Otter about Otter in the group today. So if you're having struggles with that, and as I'm telling you this, I think actually may have one step. So I'm gonna I'm gonna double check to make sure that that tutorial has everything you need. Um, yes, and today, now that you have created your story, you've done the introduction, you've done some sort of audio version of part of your book. The next step, Kelly, is what? What are we doing today? We're polishing. Yes, polishing. So what are some steps? In the email this morning, there were some kind of like four steps you can go through to to sort of self-edit. I actually think number four, maybe number five was to find somebody else in this group and, you know, have them look it over or listen and give you specific feedback. Just make sure you you ask for specific things because that way you're getting what you need out of this challenge. 
Right. Um, and uh, so first I'm going to say hi to Nancy and, and Gabrielle because they're both joining us live. But the, um, yeah, and, it, and it's really funny because um, I know that a lot of you are like just in the, um, you know, getting it on paper phase of it. And I have stressed all week and I feel like I've said this over and over again about just write, like just mm -hmm. sit down and write. And, and it almost seems like we're being a little contradictory today because we're like polish, you know, like we're like just write. And then we're going back yeah. and saying, okay, we'll edit now. Um, and so I want to keep in mind that these tips that we're putting in today's are not really like what we're talking about, like full on edit thing. Yeah. They're just things to be mindful and, and there just needs to be like a level of awareness that these are um, not only pitfalls that writers fall into, but they're things that, that really, if you, if you kind of have them in the back of your head, you can avoid them as you're writing. Um, if that, if that makes a little bit of sense. And so um, anybody that has, has been around in my orb for a while knows that I have a deep disdain for li words um lovely lightly like <laughs> any of those li words because they're just weak words they just are they by nature they are um they're supporting words but they really don't have like the the robustness or the definition of other um complementary words and so i am um, i have an author that that I work with. And it's so funny because every time she signs an email to me, she's like, I'll see, um, I'll see you later, lovely Callie. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, you know, because she knows my deep down disdain. Um, so if you can just be aware that L I words are by definition weak words, just try to eliminate them at all possible from your writing vocabulary, especially in nonfiction books. Yeah they really just don't add to it and they um they will make your sentences longer they make them less strong like there's just all sorts of things that that come with that and the other thing and we touched on this yesterday and kind of discussed why it's it's not great to use passive voice um and so i'll just reiterate that like um the reason why editors tell you to stay away from passive voice and to be mindful of passive voice is because they do not move the action forward. So they, you know, the, the premise in any type of, of story is that you, um, I've seen Gabriel comment about that earlier. I mean, like you can go on and on with this gag because there's so many words that we use all the time, like totally, you know, like, that's one of those words um, and I totally use totally all the time. Um, but with passive voice in any type of writing, you always want to be moving your reader down the line. Like you want in it, you want to be active. You want it to like be going towards some type of finish line and you want the action to always be moving forward. And with passive voice, it just doesn't happen. And so it's always mindful to be used um, to avoid using passive voice. And lots of times that can be accomplished just by rewording that sentence. Um, and I think that once you become aware, if you have a habit of doing it, you kind of just start to think, <laughs> yeah, in different terms. <laughs> yes. And, and 
one of the things that you can do is um, on that website that I gave you all yesterday, it will point out passive voice for you. So if you do have a habit of doing it and you know that you do, um, just go through and copy and paste your text in there and see if it highlights anything that's passive. And then you can go, okay, well, I may need to go back and reword this. Um, I think once you become aware of it and it really is easy to pick it out. Um, but if you're just, if you're new to writing, it can be a pitfall that a lot of writers fall into. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally guilty, right? And apparently, I use those words quite often. That's just kind of the way that my style goes. And I use Grammarly as a tool. Mm -hmm. I'm using Safari or using Chrome. It's a great tool because it reminds me, it will tell me, change the sentence because you have, you're using passive voice. And then when right. I move it from there, I'll fix it there. I'll put it over on my website, for instance. And my SEO plugin will also say, ah, too many passive voices. You're not getting the green light. We're only going to give you a yellow. So I have a couple of checks in the process because I need that because I know this is one of the pitfalls that I fall into because I'll just write something and not think about the voice necessarily. And my editor was the same way. She's like, you need to reward this. So can you give us some examples of active voice versus passive voice, Kelly? Oh, this one is hard because I think I think in active voice all the time. So lots of time it's hard for me to give the passive um, version of it. Um, in fact, I think the other day I actually had to Google to get a really good example. So let me just, um, let me do that real fast so I can like get a really good example. But um, one thing that I do want to point out that you just mentioned is Grammarly. Um, it's a great tool if you're not using it. It is free. There is a paid version too. Um, I don't remember what the difference between the free and the paid version is. But uh, one thing that I want to um give like a disclaimer with using Grammarly though is that Grammarly is very anti-comma, which is fine. Um, <laughs> depending on what what way you learned grammar so i i'm like a hybrid because i learned mla but then i work in the newspaper business so i learned ap style too um which is very contradictory on how to use right. commas one has one school of thought one has the other neither one is wrong all you have to make sure to do is that you're consistent with whichever route you choose now now, Grammarly, I think, is very consistent with the MLA style, which I believe is anti-comma. I mean, I could be wrong. I may have it flipped. Um, so just be mindful of that, that sometimes Grammarly will, will like, point out stuff that may not necessarily be grammar, like, grammatically incorrect. Um, it's just there. So let me... Let me look at passive voice really okay. fast because, um, like I said, it's hard for me to think in passive voice because I just don't, I don't use it. <laughs> That's not your norm, right? Well, it's, it's not your Grammarly is kind of a fun thing too because when you use Grammarly, what I love about this, they make it really fun and they encourage you to write more. So every week you'll get a little status update on how many words Grammarly has checked and they'll give you little, little trophies. They'll tell you, you know, you've written this many words, which basically could be this many books. So it's fun. They kind of gamify it. So it feels not like you're having to succumb to the grammar police, but it's really just, they make it really fun and encouraging. And, you know, 
when they send you the email, you can share your status on social and make it really easy for you to just make writing feel like fun again. Because I know sometimes as authors, as people who love words, we get so trapped in, it has to be a certain way and it feels so rigid. So they kind of make it a little lighter, a little more fun. So I will, I will give them that for sure. So just uh -huh. yeah, pick a, pick a style that you like. If you have a website and you're using WordPress for that, there is a plugin you can use called Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T. Again, a free version, a paid version, but they also will check for active passive voice and they do the red, yellow, green system. So when, you're, when your blog post has hit the green, you've avoided the passive voice, you've avoided some of the common writing pitfalls. So if you need those checks like I do, those are there for you. And I'll put those links in later today. All right. Well, okay. So an, an example of passive voice. Um, and my homework is done. Instead of I do my homework. Um, my homework is being done. I'm doing my homework. Um, is another example. The bridge was blown up by engineers. The engineers blew up the bridge. Mm -hmm. Lots of times you can find passive voice, um, and this is a good point that this kind of makes, is that passive voice often happens when you have an inanimate object mm -hmm. appear to be doing the action. So like my homework is not something that's going to be doing action, yet it's in the front of the sentence. So that's a good way to double check it. And, and like you said, just some people just automatically talk in passive voice. Um, it's hard for me. I think I've been just kind of schooled because I've done this for so long. I don't think in passive voice anymore. So it's really hard for me to like automatically pull it. But I do notice it when other people do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I know I have the same things with you. When I when I read writing, I have my own things that I don't sure. enjoy reading because you know one of the things that sticks out for me is ending sentences with a prepositional phrase. In college, I had a professor who I adored, and she would really like drill this into us. Until then, I really didn't think about it. But after having her class and having her for pretty much four years. I really learned to start looking out for that. So when I went to the college setting and I had to grade papers, I would always tell my students, take it to the writing center, please. Don't end your sentences with a preposition. Come on. That's right. one thing I ask of you. <laughs> so we all have those things that we catch in other people's writing, sometimes our writing. So yeah, it's totally a normal thing to, to see certain things because that's just how we're wired and that's that's okay. Yeah. And another thing that um, that is not in today's homework, but that I'll touch on lightly because we do have several people that are writing for younger children is another um, like pet peeve of mine or something that I edit out a lot is contractions in writing for children. And um, that is like for children really first grade and under because they don't really learn contractions really well until the end of first grade. And so I will often edit like more complex um, contractions like cannot, do not, those contractions don't bother me because I think we understand those earlier. But then there's other contractions that are a lot more complicated. Um, I'm trying to think um, like lots of 
like when you have like apostrophe s and it's like is you know they're shortening the is to apostrophe s after mm -hmm. a noun or something um those contractions i'll often edit out and put the whatever is um because it's really hard for small children to understand it even though that's the way we talk it's not necessarily the way we read so just be mindful of those um it's it's kind of a joke that i will always pick on the contractions but i just feel like it's so important for young readers because you don't ever it's it goes back to a readability issue you don't ever want to talk above your audience that's a really good point too so today is really all about taking what you have created and polishing it it's kind of like putting a rock that you found in the polisher you have to do it several times often to get to that polished beautiful sheen Mm -hmm. so we're just going to take what you created this week because we want you to go through this whole process because in the ideal world, it would take longer to get to this process. We want to show you sort of the framework of how you go from idea to, you know, really getting to that polished state. So today you're just going to take what you have. It could be a paragraph. It could be several paragraphs and really go through the framework we've given you today and do some of those self edits. And this is by no means your final edit on this. All right. This is just, you know, part of the process we want you to be aware of. We want to give you tools so that when you're doing this in the future, you have ways to, to go back and check your work to make sure you have things like active voice and not passive voice. And, you know, if you're me, you're not ending sentences with prepositions, those sorts of things. We just want you to have these tools. You know, this whole week is about giving you all these, like this toolkit, like, okay, when I'm at this stage, what are the tools that I can use? Cool, I know what to do. And when I'm at the next stage, what can I pull out of my toolkit today to help me make it better than yesterday? It's all about progress, not perfection. I know I've seen a lot of posts, not a lot, of, a few posts about, I'm so behind. And I think that is a state of mind. That's just something we tell ourselves a story. And I know it feels like that, so don't be overwhelmed with, the steps if you've not completed up until day four it's okay <laughs> we get that again progress over perfection just putting one foot in front of the other every day and just making sure that you're better than yesterday that's all we're asking right absolutely and um and i think that don't let the fact that today's lesson is about editing make you feel like you have to drop everything and go and edit um again the the thing that i would stress most is just write, and then all of this other stuff falls in place later and i did want to address the question that gabrielle put in the um before we got started today about the con the chapters um and she says chapter one is sitting at 303 words and I'm not sure if I should leave it where I ended it or if we should find out what's behind the door. And I want to say that um, that there is so like the um, cliffhanger is a great way to end a chapter. Um, and it's and it's an effective way to move the action forward when you get mm -hmm get forward you know you hear this um like a great nonfiction example of this was like if you were writing a true crime book and you got to the end of the chapter and you're like but what they found out next changed everything you yeah. know 
that type of stuff. Okay, so that's a use of nonfiction. You know, in fiction, we know that it could be like, you know, they were standing at the door and about to open it, and then dot dot dot. Mm -hmm. Chapter. Now, that's a great thing to use with chapters. And one of the things that you and I specifically, Gabrielle, have talked about is that um, chapter length can change. It can be different in different books. The thing is just to make sure that the chapters are evenly weighted within the same book. So if this chapter has 300 words, then I would stick to around 300 words for each story. Now, in a middle grade, I would not recommend that because 300 words would be really short for a chapter. You're looking at more 800 to 1,000 words probably per chapter, but um, just make sure that it's evenly weighted because you don't want to have like one chapter have 300 words, one have 800 words, the next chapter have 400 words, mm -hmm. and that can be really irritating to your reader also. So just kind of see if there's a balance in there that you can find where they're, they're all pretty much coming in around the same way. Awesome. Those are some great tips because I know where to end the chapter and the question comes up a lot as far as do sure. I end it here, do I end it here? And I would say too, I mean, if you are someone like me who like who watches Netflix or Hulu, you know, look to your favorite shows. How do they end the, the, the story that day to make you binge watch the next 20, right? Because there's that cliffhanger, there's that, oh, I want to know what happens next and it draws the reader in in this case. And when you're when you're saying it out loud and narrating it, it's the same thing. It's that don't stop reading the book, mom. We want to know what happens next in the story. Right. Right. Exactly. And so um, if you if you have a chapter that you want to have a specific cliffhanger, but it's not long enough, like this not being 300 words, is there something you can add in to fill out that chapter a little bit more so that it can be a, a, a cliffhanger? Um Okay, your other thought was that the next chapter would be from Lucy's point of view, and that would leave the re reader hanging for Luna's plot. Absolutely. And, and you can use chapters as a way to switch between point of view of characters. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, for me, I'll, I always reference my first my first book because it's the one that I actually, you know, went the furthest as far as publishing it and getting the print copy and but for me, in that sense, because it was based on some research, you know, there were clear definitions of, okay, this is this is one type of learning, and this is another type of learning. So in that sense, your book could be, if you're basing it on your work or your knowledge or how you help clients, there could be a more natural ending. And in that case, you, you know, like Kelly said, you still probably want to try to balance it. But sometimes, you, you know, you need that little short chapter as like, the, the ands, like the preposition or something like the, the connecting piece, like you need a little bit of a preface maybe to the next thing so it's shorter. So every book is, like, is so individual as Callie has said and just, you know, when you're thinking about the end reader, you know, what is it that just gonna want them to, to not want to put your book down, to want to stay up way too late to read your book or to, you know, to share it with their kids. Like what is that thing that you can where is that journey that you can take them on that's going to draw them deeper and deeper in? Because the more you draw them in, the more endearing you as the author become to them. So when it comes time to do a follow-up book in the series or another book, you already have that beloved audience that we all want to have as authors. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and I also like that, that you said that each book kind of had, has its individual rules that it, that it operates on, because while there is framework in place that defines all of these types of writing and genre and stuff that um, sometimes it doesn't always fit that framework. And sometimes it will fit the framework in this way, but then in this way, it goes outside of that framework. And that's absolutely fine. And the more and more, um, I guess, comfortable with writing you get, the more where you see that sometimes rules are made to be broken and yeah. you can you can break those rules in such a way that it still works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the rules are there for a reason to kind of help guide us. It's kind of like the framework we want to follow. But again, yeah. not every story, not every situation can be you know, shoved into this little tiny box that has been created for us. Yeah, it is sometimes okay to totally spill out from that box we just want to be, I guess, thinking about, okay, what is what is the normal, even though there's not really is a normal, versus how do I want to share the story? Because we always have to, to balance those things out. And like Callie said, it's okay to, to break the rules. They're there to just give us some guidelines, but they're not hard and fast rules. Like, you know, kind of like the speed limit. I mean, a lot of people think, okay, well, it's it's only 25 through here, but if I do like 33, I probably can, you know, I'm <laughs> kind of like that, right? You're not going to get in too much trouble for going a little bit over. If you're going to go, you know, 75 and a 25, like, but again, this is your book. You get to create it in your, you know, in your own way. And we're just going to give you some guides to help you think about the next steps for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I, I'm using all the L words. Absolutely. <laughs> Apparently. Totally. Which is <laughs> a problem. We're going to find all the rules right now on yeah. voice, just so you understand what they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. If you have a question and you're here live, let us know down below because we're here to serve you and help you. And really to spend some time today thinking about the polishing step and what that looks like for you. Take the process we've given you, figure out what things you like, what things work you work for you, what things serve you, and then get rid of the rest because this is about you and your process and finding a way that resonates best with you. Yes, yes. Well, and um, Yong, do you want to talk a little bit about tomorrow and what's going to happen tomorrow? Yes. Do you want to do you want to kick it off and tell everyone what's happening tomorrow? So tomorrow, um, instead of doing a live, a Facebook live, we're actually going to open a Zoom room at um, eleven my time. So that's what that's noon Eastern time, nine Pacific, nine Pacific time. Yep. And um, we are going to open it up for you to come in and ask any questions you want. It's not super structured in the way that we're actually going to have like a lesson and we're going to be talking on specific things and you won't have homework. Um, yes, and Grammarly is totally an L-Y word. I love that. <laughs> Whoever posted that, you're brilliant yeah. in so many ways. Um, but so we're just going to open up to give a forum for us to have a discussion about all of the things that you may want to know about writing a nonfiction book, or if you're writing historical fiction, what some of that would look like. I know a lot of people have had questions about research and how you do research, and I'm happy to dive in a little bit deeper of how I've done research in the past, and that may be a, 
a great topic for tomorrow mm -hmm. is that we can discuss a little bit about, about how I recommend going about doing research and getting sources and what are, um, I feel like I'm stepping into my newspaper choose a little bit going, okay, these are the great sources and you need to make sure you verify your sources, but you do. Mm -hmm. um, so we will absolutely talk about that tomorrow. And then, um, okay, I'm saying this may be a dead question and maybe I missed the point, but does nonfiction follow the same structure of fiction? Um, it's not a dead question because I think it's an absolutely very valid question. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is that nonfiction operates by its own sets of rules, but a lot of them are very similar mm -hmm. to fiction. So a lot of times if a rule is a rule in, in nonfiction, I mean, in fiction, it's also a rule in nonfiction or there's a similar rule in place. Um, I would say really the only yeah, I would say that the only, really the only way I thought before I make this, this declaration, I better make sure that this is true, but writing nonfiction picture books and fiction picture books can be a lot different. And so I would um, totally recommend, and I'm happy to discuss this more to anybody that's interested in it. I would totally recommend that if you are wanting to write a nonfiction picture book, um, you really look at what that structure looks like, because it does in some ways differ quite significantly from a fiction picture book. But I think really across the board in all other ways, a lot of the rules are, the, are exactly the same. So. Good to know. So, so many different things and so many different domains and genres and the right. whole idea of a nonfiction picture book is so intriguing to me because I don't, I don't know that I've seen a good example of one. So I, well, I, I, can, I need yeah. to ask something about that. I can totally hook you up, Yarn, because there are some <laughs> wonderful people out there. And this in nonfiction picture books is an area that has changed, I think, significantly over like the last 10 years um, and really grown into its own. And so um, I could totally recommend some great. In fact, I have there is a brand new one that just came out by my friend Vivian Kirkfield um, that's about Marilyn Monroe and um, mm -hmm. This is, if you're wanting a great example of a good nonfiction picture book, I would highly recommend this okay. one. It's been out like, I think a week, maybe two weeks. I don't know. Um, but I love Marilyn Monroe. And so I was so excited that Vivian tackled this subject because it's, it's really interesting and not something I knew much about. But, um, and then um, somebody asked if nonfiction follows three acts for middle grade, yes. It does because you still have, it's a little bit different. Um, and I think I put this on a video, but I don't remember. I don't know if we've discussed it in one of our lives, but all books have, um, and my friend Nancy puts it like they have a hat. Okay. So all books have what's called a hook, like the brim of the hat. And then you have build up, build up, build up, and then you kind of reach a point and it goes on to the other side. Like I'm going off camera doing that, but you go off the other side. So in fiction, we know that is the hook of the story, which is act one. Act two is the build up and the meat of the story. And then we get to the top. The climax happens, or is I like to call it the point of no return. And then we have act three that kind of comes off the end with nonfiction you have a similar thing you have the hook which is basically the why you wrote this book 
like if you're an expert in this field why you wrote that book book meat of the story what what all is this nonfiction thing and then you're closing out so it works in a similar way i think nonfiction does not have the climax point of no return that a fiction book has but it still has a point where it kind of meets the bulk of its build up and then it goes off so it does have three acts yeah and then just like doing a live video even where you have the hook there's the story part and there's the closing. What, like, what is the next step? Is there is there a next step? And what is it? How do they connect further? How do they do the next thing with you? So I think no matter what you're doing, whatever medium, whether it's a book, whether it's a video, whether it's a podcast, it all happens the same way. Because if you don't hook the readers in the beginning, they're going to put the book aside. And if you don't take them through the journey in, in a way that's exciting and enticing for them to continue, they're going to drop off somewhere in the middle. And we want to get them to all the way to the end so we can say, okay, here's here's the end of this story and here is what's next. Same Absolutely. sort of format, hook, story, close. Yep, yep. And that's so true. It's it's that um, structure works for everything. But I would say any, any writing, no matter what, how short it is, how long it is, always has three acts. And I would, I would stand by that, that statement saying that pretty much just everything you write is going to have basically three parts. So awesome. So many good things and so many, so many things that I've learned in this challenge by being able to pick your brain, Callie, and get into the more of the publishing world because that is your domain. That is where you are the queen because that's <laughs> every day. So it's so nice to be able to, to have that in you as, as a co-host of this challenge because it's been a fun learning experience all around. Yeah, absolutely. And so tomorrow we are going to have our open Zoom that we're going to open at 11. We'll probably be in there for probably about an hour, don't you think, Young? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and we'll stay as long as there are questions, because again, tomorrow is all about you and, and figuring out, okay, now that I've gotten this far, you know, what's next? What are, what are some options? Do I put away and work on something else? Or do I continue it? And how does that work? And how does that look? And um, we're going to share something special with you tomorrow as well, because yeah, we're, we have been talking about it and, and we just, I, I'm kind of bursting at the seams about yeah. tomorrow because there's, there's so much fun that's still in store for you. Yeah. And I will, um, I'll also mention that um, for those of you that have a lot of questions about fiction, I will be running another challenge starting March 2nd that is just going to address fiction. For So for some of you that are really wanting to expand on some of these fiction questions, um, and a lot of it would apply to fiction and um, historical fiction, there is going to be an opportunity to go into that a little bit deeper in that. And some of the, like I said, some of the principles of this challenge are going to be very similar to that challenge because they are similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> and we will... Um, we will also expand a little bit more on some of these. I love it. Does Yoastly have a website? I love that you added the L-Y. I think it's just Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T dot com. I just know that I found it from within my WordPress dashboard. It's a plugin you can add just to make sure that you're adding keywords so that your, your blog posts and your website are able to be found and you're searchable for what you want to be searchable for. So, but yeah, I think it is just yoast.com. If not, I will come back in and, and put the proper link so you can check it out. Again, there's a free version, which I've used for years. There's also yeah. a free version. So depending on you know where you are on that plane, you can make your choice. 
Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, so I actually, I think I put in the group a link for a live, a be live tomorrow, not thinking ahead and thinking and knowing we were going to be in Zoom. So I'm going to go delete that, but I will put okay. in a thread where you can ask questions. So if you have questions that maybe require a longer answer or you have multiple, if you could ask them as soon as you think about them, so Kelly and I can kind of prepare and make sure that we have the resources that you're going to need for tomorrow, that will be awesome. Yeah. Okay, everyone, it's time to go polish those gems and make them nice and <laughs> We wish you an amazing Thursday, and we look forward again to hearing some more stories and seeing those polished gems that you're going to share with us. Thanks, everyone. If you're ready to dive into today's challenge activities, come on over to kickstartyourbook.com, save your seat, plus we have so many goodies waiting for you inside the challenge. We'll see you there. Cheers.